Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is the Relentless Daring Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Morgan, and here we are engaged in the relentless, daring pursuit of truth, justice, and American jackassery. Now, I said this week I'm going to try to get into more content, so I'm going to start off, uh, I'm going to talk about this uh, future AOC letter to herself, sitting on her magical bullet train from New York to Washington, D.C., because this just gets into the heart of a lot of issues that I think the elite coastal people don't seem to understand about the rest of the country. The fact that, yes, you can build a bullet train from New York to D.C., get you that cover that distance in a couple of hours versus an all-day train ride. But they think... Things that work on the East Coast, such as trains that connect major cities, get you, they think that it works for all the communities throughout the entire country. Which it doesn't, because train tracks are already laid. That's what, more than likely, these bullet trains are going to use, and they're also going to have to share that with freight. That is also already using those tracks. So it's the whole notion that we can have these high-speed bullet trains that are going to require a ton of electricity to use, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's getting into the uh, problem of second and third order effects, or as some people call it, the law of unintended consequences. Things when you actually have to sit and look about Look at how they're going to affect what's going on and the efficacy of any plans that they have that they tend to just ignore or push off because, oh, well, we're not, we can't focus on that right now because we have to focus on the main problem at hand, which the whole Green New Deal is it's a farce. If you get into the plan itself, there are four or five key details that actually have to do with working on our energy and getting it energy production, energy usage, and making it more in line with lowering greenhouse gas emissions. That's where you're looking at your uh, smart power grid. That's where you're looking at renewable energy sources. But beyond that, it is just a giant spending package that looks at nationalizing health care. Um, it looks at 
putting these giant welfare programs like Medicare for All or single payer, whatever healthcare administration that they put into place. And then on top of it, get some uh, some other questionable things as far as how we achieve said things. Uh, for instance, in the in this video that AOC did, she uh, talks about putting together uh, the the labor shortage when it came to actually initiating all of these plans with the Green New Deal, building nationwide high-speed rail, building nationwide smart grid technology, re-engineering all of these homes and other structures throughout America. So talk about, well, there's a labor shortage. Right now we're, what, 3.5% on unemployment? So... I mean, yeah, there's there's bodies there who are able to work. But my question is, if we start off the labor shortage, this has to happen because it's, it's going to save the planet. What, where are we going to get the bodies from to actually do the work? Because at least, you know, under the Great Depression, when we did the New Deal and we started the TVA to start building dams and hydroelectric plants, and those massive public infrastructure projects, we had rampant unemployment due to the Depression. So right now, trying to start this thing, it doesn't make any sense that there's going to have to be conscripted service in in these uh, public works projects, which I don't know how the government, which tends to shut down every couple years because they can't get can't agree on a budget. I don't know how they'll pay everyone. And to pay a fair living wage, I think there's there's probably just ended up buying off way more than they can chew. And it just does not make a lick of sense to me. But as this video goes on, it, it goes more into pushing towards this social utopia where teachers, home health workers, uh, child care givers, they're all paid this wonderful, wonderful living wage. And they're paid, it makes it sound like they're going to be getting paid the same as doctors and engineers, which... I'm not saying that their work is not worthy of a decent wage. I'm just saying, I am saying that if you have a person who is a skilled worker and they've got time invested in education, in training, it doesn't make sense to me why we would pay them the same as we would pay someone who literally sits and watches kids all day. Uh, me, for instance, I have been a certified welder. I currently hold a Class A CDL with endorsements for uh, tankers and pull the double and triple semi-trailers you see going down the road. I put a lot of myself into that. Um, I feel like I fully earn my $15 an hour that I get paid for driving a trash truck. 
and it doesn't seem like it's skilled labor, but you, you still have to have, at the bare minimum, a Class B CDL in order to operate a commercial motor vehicle of that size. So why, and again, this goes, all of this stuff, it boils down to it's class warfare. It's the haves versus the have-nots. What can we do to make the have-nots come up to the level of the haves? And obviously, who's going to have to pay for it all? The haves. So they're going to get taxed to the point that they're going to be down to where the have-nots are because the only way socialism, communism, any other type of Marxism works is by pitting classes against each other. That's what happened with the French Revolution with the the peasants rising up and beheading all of the aristocracy because that was the only way they could be made equal is to destroy it. But in other news, well, let's I'll talk about something else that kind of gets me going is uh, veterans who support anti-constitutional notions such as gun control or abolishing the electoral college. You know, these are people, you know, the Senator Tammy Duckworth, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, or really the one of the real front runners of the 2020 election, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. And for anyone who doesn't know his background, he spent, I think, seven and a half, eight years in the Naval Reserve. He was, he was a, uh, he got, he was discharged as a lieutenant, which is a pay grade 03. He was, you know, equal to uh, Army, Air Force, or Marine Corps captain. Uh, He has one deployment where he went to Afghanistan for seven months and which he proudly, proudly turned down his mayoral compensation because he was deployed, not currently serving as the mayor. Well, when I went to Iraq for 14 months in 2003 through 2004, I gladly turned down my compensation from marine electrical products because I wasn't there. That's he acts like he's doing such the doing his community such a big service. Like, oh, I'm turning down my pay. You're not doing anything different than the rest of us who've been in the reserves or National Guard have done when deployed. Doesn't make you special. This uh, deployment, and he was a uh, he was a naval intelligence officer, and. Well, I really can't tell you what he did on his deployment, but I'm assuming from his Joint Service Commendation Medal that he was awarded, he probably spent his seven months either in a skiff analyzing intelligence or in a battalion or brigade level two shop actually drawing up intel reports for a battalion, brigade, or division-level commander. So, he, you know, he's really does an amazing job flaunting his military service 
such as uh, a couple days ago in uh, Des Moines, where at a town hall he was asked about gun control by you know one of these wonderful, wonderful people who they're all about the hunting and they've they've grown up with guns, but when they they see teachers and children just getting murdered on national TV, oh my God. He's got Alex Jones asking, where are the men? Yep. And, you know, Mayor Pete, you know, he's like, oh, I, I too am a lifelong hunter. And it basically came out and said, you know, talk about the age, age old argument against the ARs. Oh, these are a weapon of war. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, you may have carried an M sixteen, possibly an M four, but did you ever actually use it outside of a firing range? Did you ever have you ever actually been getting shot at where you had to return fire and you're cursing your weapon because it's failing to feed? It's failing to eject, failing to extract. Drop, you know, trying to trying to get to feed off of a mag that's been beat up because you've been falling down a mountain, and now you're now because the feed ears are a little warped, you know, it won't take a magazine. I don't, I highly doubt he's experienced that fun. Um, but you know, he's talking about this with weapons of war, weapons of war, weapons of war. Oh, sweet mother of God. You go back to 1789. Everybody had smooth bore muskets. If they were extra fancy, they did have a musket with a rifled barrel. And it took about one minute to fire a shot and reload. Those were the weapons of war of that era. As the as the country progressed, we got you know you know breech action brass encased rounds. So you could fire a shot. It had a lever action that opened the breech, or uh, it had a or it had a breech action where you it opened in the middle. You pulled the old brass out, threw the new round in, closed it, and fired. From there, we got the repeating rifle, which though in the 1800s when those were invented, they were lever-action rifles, like many people have today, that they use for hunting. Um, I have a 30-30, and it's a lever-action. That is what cavalry had in the early 1900s late 1800s because it was a smaller rifle and it could be easily shouldered while riding a horse and it was easy you could have it loaded with you know seven eight ten rounds and then whenever you whenever you're firing in combat it's just really easy. You don't even have to unshoulder your rifle 
to load the next round. And then from there, they started developing, at, at the time, they were called an automatic. Which, much like your car, automatically shifts gears. These had an automatic cycle of function that you pulled the trigger. The round is fired, extracted, the round or the ch- the shell is extracted, ejected. The weapon is cocked. The next round is fed, chambered, fed, chambered, and it's ready to go until you pull the trigger again. For instance, the if you have a weapon that is chambered in forty five ACP, that is that ACP stands for automatic Colt pistol. The automatic has nothing to do with pulling the trigger and holding it, and it continues to fire. That is a that is an advent or as an invention that came along with the invention of the machine gun. But if you haven't noticed, any kind of weapon that if you hold the trigger and it continues to fire, while after the nineteen was it nineteen eighty six gun ban or you know machine gun ban, yeah, you can't own one that's post ban, but you can still own pre ban, you know, automatic weapons as far uh, automatic in the sense of we as we understand it today. You can own them. It costs you a ton of money and time and paperwork in order to get one, but they're still there. And these are more in line with true weapons of war as we know them today, where they're a belt-fed, air-cooled machine gun. And yeah, you still have some magazine-fed you have weapons. You have old Tommy guns, or uh, if you have some old German machine guns from you know World War II... But, you know, that's something that's totally different. But even what we know of as a weapon of war today with the, you know, the AR-15 or CAR-15, if it's you know, a carbine model, you know, those are based off of a modern hunting rifle that was invented in the 1950s. It was designed by Eugene Stoner, for people who were going hunting in more rugged conditions where they needed a lighter, more durable weapon that would handle, you know, getting dropped on rocks without cracking the stock. And even then, the outward appearance of these weapons was taken from Mattel, the toy company. And then they were they were so well made especially you start seeing old ads from, you know, late 1950s for the, you know, Armalite Rifle Model 1, which doesn't look anything like the, you know, the AR-15 or AR-10s later on down the road. But still, it's, the Army decide or the Department of Defense saw these, and they wanted to know, hey, 
we want to use these because they look better and more durable than the M14s we are currently fielding right now. But, you know, and the rest is history. And so for them to come out and say, you know, you know, this whole description of weapons of war just couldn't be more wrong-headed. And go into things like universal background checks. You know, again, they give the they give the statistic: ninety percent of Americans believe that we should have universal background checks. Well, you start getting into the numbers. You know, yeah, they agree, but it's like, hey, if you if you have a piece of private personal property that you want to you know sell or give to a friend or a family member. Should you have to, you know, go to, you know, local law enforcement and do a background check? Should you have to go pay money to at a local FFL dealer to have them run a background check so you can give this firearm to Bob, your neighbor, who you have known for the last 15 years, or to your best friend you've known his, their entire life? And that you know that they are not a felon. You know that they're not, uh, they don't have a mental health issue. You know that they have never had a domestic dispute or a, a, a charge of a domestic violence against them. But you still have to go on bended knee to the government to transfer a piece of private property to someone else? It's ridiculous. But, you know, you have, again, you have, you know, veterans like Pete Buttigieg who say, oh, well, we, 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 we have to have this. It's like, no, no, we don't. You know, I don't know what oath that commissioned officers take when, when, when they become, when they get commissioned in the United States military. I know the oath that I took multiple times over 16 years as an enlisted soldier that I swear to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and to bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and to uphold the and to obey the orders of the President of the United States and those officers appointed over me according to regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So, help me God. And then you add into it that you know he's also for abolishing the Electoral College, which, I mean, come on. Can we not go back and read the Federalist Papers? Because... They keep talking about democracy. We have to preserve democracy. Because of the Electoral College, we have never been more undemocratic. You bet your ass. The reason we have the Electoral College is to protect states with smaller populations against being ruled by large, highly populated states. If you look at the map 
of the United States that shows the individual counties that were won by Hillary Clinton and by Donald Trump in the 2016 election, nearly the entire country is red. And you have the pockets of blue where these are the states that were won by Hillary Clinton. And at the same time, you know, so you take those populate those states and the you know all the votes from the red air from those red counties that were for Hillary, yeah, you have a national aggregated you know vote tally where Hillary won, but that's not the way our system is built. Our system is built to where we have fifty one individual elections conducted by the several states in the District of Columbia. And that's a series of 51 individual elections. And their vote and whoever wins those electors, that's who wins. It's not, well, I got 63 million votes and they got 61 million votes. I win. That's American civics education in this country has gone down the absolute crapper because no one understands this. My wife had to do a class for her college politics. There's a lesson for her college politics class on the Electoral College. And she was given the assignment of being of writing a paper on it from the point of view of why it would be a good idea to abolish the Electoral College. And there were not a whole lot of compelling arguments on that side, aside from, well, it's not fair. Well, I'm sorry, life's not fair. I have seen enough of unfair life that, you know, throwing away our Constitution because of fairness is definitely the least of my worries. So something that's always bothered me is, you know, you have veterans or even former service members, you know, people who haven't deployed, who they are on this hold this bent of leftism and of worshiping the state that I just don't understand. I I get, you know, the United States military is not a a hive mind where everyone thinks the exact same way. You know, I remember we had a medic, my first deployment to Afghanistan, he was conservative, but he voted for Barack Obama in 2008 because I wanted to be a part of history, to be able to say I voted for the first black president. While it's kind of a fickle reason to cast your vote for somebody because they're the first so-and-so to be the president, I mean, yeah, it's, it's his it's his right to do that, and, you know, we might not have agreed with it, but, you know, you know, we're a diverse background of individuals, and therefore is a diverse background of thought. But I 
but everyone I came in contact with, well, they may have had shared different opinions on gay marriage, on trans rights, on on the war on drugs, on how to best administer the welfare system in America. No one ever seemed to be anti-constitution. No one ever seemed to be, you know, pro-statism. They understand that there was a role for the state in our lives, but the the idea that the state is the end-all, be-all, you know, replacement of God and the giver of everything holy in this country was never it was never an opinion I ever seemed to come across, but more and more as you know we start seeing veterans getting into politics, we're starting to see more and more of them that lean that way towards the left. Again, Tammy Duckworth, uh, Pete Buttigieg, and, and uh, it's I don't understand it. But all right, we're going to get ready to wrap this up on something a little bit on the lighter side. We're going to believe we have a Florida man story going down. In the southeastern United States, there is a creature that roams the forest lands and the swamps. This is the missing link that connects Homo sapiens to its ancestors, Homo erectus. This missing link is Homo floridus, also known as Florida Man. And these are his sightings. Florida teen arrested after video shows him wrestling fake alligator in mall. From Miami, a high school student was arrested Monday after he was filmed fighting a fake alligator in a Florida mall. Teenager identified by police as Gianni Sosa Hernandez can be seen in the video released by the Miami-Dade Police Department taking off his shirt, jumping over a barrier into the mall display before attacking the fake reptile. So the incident actually happened uh, back in March. But this kid was seen giving the RKO, you know, the finishing move by Randy Orton, to, uh, I've seen a video online doing doing this to his principal at his high school. And when managers of the Miami Mall saw the video, they said, holy crap, that's the same kid. And that's when he was, that's when he was, uh, then turned over, you know, it was turned into police and he was arrested. But uh, the incident occurred on March 30th in the courtyard of the Falls Shopping Center, Miami-Dade County, according to WPLG. The fake alligator cost $3,690 and was damaged in the alleged attack. Which, I really don't know how you can say it was alleged. It's on video. In the video, Sosa Hernandez is captured throwing the alligator into a nearby display pond and attempting a wrestling move that police called an RKO. Sosa Hernandez is then seen turning the gator on its back and pinning it. Oh my gosh. Is this what's wrong with the Utes of America today? Do we not have enough things for them to do? Do we watch too many, you know, play too many pro wrestling games? Watch too much WWE on the television sets? 
I mean, what did I just want to know? Did he have you know Mean Gene or somebody's voice running through his head? You know, as he, you know, you know, he flips the alligator into the into the pond, and all you know, and it just pops into his head. And Gianni from the top rope delivers the RKO. Oh, he, he's going for the pin. One, two, three. He, he is now the grand champion of Mall Gator Wrestling. I mean, come on. What the hell? Come on, dude. There's got to be better things to do than to try to make a viral video of attacking a fake alligator or, you know, using the same thing on a person and committing an assault. Which, by the way, when he did the RKO to his principal, he was charged with battery. Um, but, and then on this, you know, he, he is being charged with, uh, with mischief and... Uh, property damage and was released without bail so oh the Utes of America I swear to God well that's going to do it for this episode run a lot longer than I expected but as always you can hit me up on Twitter either at my personal Twitter page uh, at Morgan65536 or on the show page at Relentless D A R I 1. At Relentless Dairy 1. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review and share this with, with your friends. Uh, rate it five stars. Leave me a review. Again, on the social media, if you have any comments, you think you can, you know, offer a way to make me make help me make this show better, help me be a better podcast host, hit me up on the socials and tell me what you, your suggestions. Uh, this is also available on Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Also, go to Patreon.com, search for Relentless Daring, and support me there too. That way, you help uh, help me with get better equipment better recording better hopefully maybe get some better facilities one day uh thank you so much and as always stay relentless ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.